1: It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs
0: welcome in ladies and gentlemen to the pickaxe Pundit show on nothing but net radio i am zach mikosh with denverstiffs.com we are at Denver Stiffs on Twitter, and also make sure to follow Nothing But Net Radio at at NBN Radio on Twitter as well. All right, well let's let's not uh, let's not delay because I want to get through uh, quite a bit of stuff that's happened over this week. First, let's get into our co-host. I have none other than Head Stiff himself. I've been working on this too for for the uh, the show, Adam <laughs> M- Mates. Oh, you did it so well! That was an A plus. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I had the inflection, you know. I did not want you to get offended.
2: You came correct. It's funny, man. It's almost taken on a life of its, of its own now. This whole like, my my listeners now are attacking people if they don't say my name right. So, <laughs> you were about to get the army, but you did an A plus job, listeners. You don't have to go after him. It's okay. Don't,
0: don't. in fact follow me on Twitter well, instead. Yeah. At uh, Zach Mikosh, if you want if you wanted to know. No, I know how it goes though. I mean, my. Uh, like, my whole screening thing is if I get a phone call and it's, uh, is this Mr. Mickish? Like, I know that's yeah. a telemark- Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, so. There you go. I'm with you on that. All right, man, so we got, like, uh, like I said, we got a big show to get into because uh, as of last week, Paul Millsap was still healthy. Um, yeah,
2: weekly show. You have a lot to cover. A lot, lot to, has happened in a week. A
0: lot of bad to cover, oh, yeah. honestly, to be Uh. Blunt. Um, So I want to get into Paul Millsap's injury, of course, because that's a huge part of of what's happened this week. And then I want to go over the road trip. A lot of bad news there as well. It didn't didn't go so well for the Nuggets. I didn't think it would, though, to be honest with you. Um, Then we'll get into just just last night, the Nuggets cleaned house on the Grizzlies when they finally got back home, had a big game. Um, We were both there for that one. Uh, and then finally, if we get some time, uh, we'll get into the, the Jazz who so are coming up on Tuesday night.
2: Lots to talk about. Lots I love it. Lots to talk it. about,
0: it. exactly. We've got to make it through an hour, so it's, it should be perfect. All right, so let's let's get into it, man. Let's get into Paul Millsap. Um, of course, with the wrist injury, I think everybody, you know, usually when you see a wrist injury, um, especially with kind of how it was described with Randall, right, with the SWAT down, you were worried about uh, a broken wrist, some sort of bone break. X-rays come back negative. Everybody's kind of feeling pretty good. I wasn't. You
2: weren't? No. No, because here's the thing. There's an X-ray machine right outside of the locker room here at right. Pepsi Center right. and at every arena. And usually those X-rays come back in like 30 minutes to maybe two hours max. These ones didn't come back for a day. Yes. And when we didn't get the word at night, I, 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 it, something went off in my head that said something is wrong and either I thought it was going to be like they were going to come back positive, like there would be a, there was a break, broken bone. But I think what probably happened is they noticed an abnormality, and right. it just turned out that that abnormality was actually uh, probably more of a tendon, you know, doing something. So I I, I didn't feel good about this the <laughs> moment we didn't get uh, the update right away.
0: All right, well, I didn't, uh, I didn't have the injury sleuth uh, <laughs> abilities quite as you did. Yeah, I, I kind of figured, I was like, all right, well, if the x-rays came back, you know, they didn't come back. Right, they didn't come back immediately, like, right. positive. Because, right, usually if you see it on the x-ray, you're like, all right, well, there it is. I mean, um, how long
2: does it take to take an x-ray? When well, you get your x-rays done at the dentist or at the right? doctor, it's like five minutes, exactly, right? Exactly, oh, yeah.
0: Most of the time it's putting that goop in your mouth because it yeah. make that mold, right? I hate that, by the way. <laughs> the the, the dentist x-rays are so painful. What that, like, is, uh, what, what's your flavor of choice? I think you have to go bubblegum there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bubblegum is a good choice. I, I also agree. You can't
2: do citrusy flavors because that's too weird.
0: No, or yeah, or like you get the mint and then it gets kind of like stuck on your teeth and you're <laughs> tasting the mint for the rest of the day. Uh. All right. That's, uh, that's not on the rundown. <laughs> <First> <laughs> that's not like. on the docket. Well, let me ask you this about, about the Millsap injury. Where do you think? I mean, it's a fairly obvious question, to be honest, but in terms of where it hurts them the most, offense or defense?
2: Oh no, doubt about it. its defense. Right. I actually think their offense takes a sh- a short term bump, and not because I think the Nuggets' offense with Paul Millsap was headed in a direction that I was very, very, very excited about. Right. But I just think now you you go back to what worked last year, and everybody's kind of knows their role. The pecking order on offense is more clear. It's you know this is Jokic's team, right? And everybody else kind of fills in around it. You try to get shots for guys and run different plays for different guys, but it all's kind of uh, orbits around Jokic so to speak so I think the offensive side cleans up but the defensive side there's no question about it I this team could step up and play the best defense of their life individually they still will not be as good as they could be with Paul Millsap he is that good of a defender in my mind and he was that much of a a glue piece for them defensively, right?
0: I think it's a good way to put it too, is, is, as a glue piece because you know Millsap doesn't do a t- I mean, he creates a lot of turnovers. He's got very active hands, but there's not a ton that he does on offense or on defense that shows up in the box score like a guy like a Rudy Gobert or Hassan Whiteside who's just piling up the blocks, right? But he seems to do everything just so well on defensively, whether it's. Getting his hands uh, uh, in the passing lanes, whether it's just rotating correctly, whether it's directing other guys on defense. I think
2: rotating correctly is the thing, man. Like he just, he's. It's funny when you watch NBA guys, and really when you watch basketball, it's so easy when you're rested and on your couch to be like, "Come on, play hard" or whatever. But he's a guy that plays hard every second he's on the court, and that's hard to do. Right. It takes a talent. To play hard every second, both ends of the court. And he's a guy that just does it. He's always locked in on defense.
0: Right. And you know, it's also when you have those guys who play hard like that, then it, it tends to rub off on everyone yep. else, right? They see that as the example. And especially a guy like Millsap, who's a vet, who's been an all-star, who's been doing this for a long time. Like, everybody watches him do that, and they're, you know, there's no question about, hey, that's what we need to fall in line yeah. uh, and do as well. He's
2: also got an intimidation factor, I think, when you're talking about rubbing off on teammates. Like, Millsap's not I don't think he's an in, like an intense guy but you wouldn't want to piss him off right like right, like right. You, you want to make sure you don't want him to come have to point a finger at you and say do your job like right he, so, yeah, exactly so he's got that going for him too or had that going for him so they'll, they'll see they need somebody now to
0: step up and be that guy well so, so let me ask you that I mean who who is that guy that they look to now to step up not only to fill his spot just in the rotation but also in terms of impact. I
2: don't think they have that guy, to be honest with you, on the defensive end. Right. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about Jokic and the offensive end here in a little bit. But defensively, you know, I don't know if they have that guy that just never or almost never misses an assignment himself. Because so, that's what it is. You can't you can't point the finger at a guy and say, hey, you need to do your job when you are missing assignments right. and this and that. And, 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 and so that's a big part of it. So I don't know if they have that guy. Um, they're just going to have to collectively – it almost changes the dynamic. Rather than try to replace Millsap and his – his on-court persona and what he means to the team—it's almost like they just have to do something different now, mm-hmm, um, exactly. and sort of evolve as a team where everybody kind of steps up and, and takes over those roles.
0: Well, and they also in the rotation—it's almost you—you like you really can't do the rotation the way they were doing it previously because Malone pretty much strictly went with that three-man big rotation where it was, you know, Jokic would would, would come out and and what Plumlee would come in for a couple minutes. Then yep. Millsap would come out, Jokic would come back in, and coaches always talked about how he wants Jokic or Millsap on the floor at all times you can't do that and you can't just replace say okay well now we'll just have Jokic or Farid on the floor at all times or Jokic and Lyles on on right. the floor at all times cuz it just doesn't work specifically like i think of you can't you can't play Moutier and and Farid and Plumlee together, right? That that we've seen that be a real tough lineup.
2: Malone knows this, by the way, and I have to say something. You know, I've been hard on Malone. I think relative to to most people, and not hard as in you know, I don't think I've ever called for him to be fired or anything like that. Right. I think he's done a really good job this year overall. There's some things, some big things that I disagree with him on, and, and right. And it's just one of those things where there's no point talking about him every you know every week or writing about it every week. There's things he sees differently than I do. But I think by and large the way he's handled rotations and the way he's handled um you know the bigs in particular, I think he's done a really good job with that. And one thing that I think gets easier for him and gets better for the team with the Millsap injury. Again, I think it's a net negative by far, but one thing that is better is now his rotations are a little bit more forced. Like, he, right. he doesn't have the to decide between this guy or that guy. He's got, you know, Fareed and Jokic I think are a good pair. Plumlee is not with Fareed, and so you go small with your second unit, and it works out. And you look at the, I think, one interesting trend from tonight's game, tonight being the Memphis game, they had uh, 12 minutes for Mason Plumlee. So even with this, no, I, I don't think there was a single minute of Plumly-Jokic, or if there was, it wasn't much. It, basically, he was the replacement center. And so you look at that and think, well, that's interesting. Is, that's what, is that going to be what happens going forward? Because... I think it's the right move. I think you need to play Farid Jokic, and you also need to play Jokic with a stretch four. Wilson Chandler, one of those guys. Malone so far appears to also have those same thoughts, so right. I, I think that's a really good call, and I think it makes it easier on him to do those things.
0: Yeah, well, right, and that I actually didn't notice that until you just brought it up, but you're right, Mason Plumman only 12 minutes. What I think is interesting, Trey Lyle's 17 minutes, yeah. and, and it wasn't a garbage game really. Where I mean, I think he was playing the starters pretty much. Uh, yeah. down down until the end. He might have, he brought Wancho in instead of Wilson Chandler at the end there.
2: Very interesting move.
0: What do you what do you think about Trey Lyles? Is that a guy, like, is he a guy who right now belongs in an NBA rotation?
2: No, but I think he is a guy that, that maybe, he's intriguing enough that maybe he can get there, and the Nuggets don't necessarily have players that I think are a better, you know, you don't look at it and say, this guy's definitely better. I think, you know, Wancho, I slot ahead of of Trey Lyles right. in the rotation because I think Wancho has that kind of a three-point shot and Wancho also like he does everything right on the offensive end I feel he cuts really well he spaces well he knows where to be he has good instincts he crashes the boards he does those he's a very easy pit piece to kind of build around at least on the offensive end I'd like to see Wilson at the four a little bit more with Wancho and kind of go yeah. with that Wancho Wilson lineup and I think somebody will kind of get cut out uh, of the rotation and and my priority, my personal priority, would probably be for Lyles to be the lowest guy there and to probably end up playing eight, eight to twelve minutes most nights at least. Right, but it is nice. These are the big thing to take away though is that Malone is not forcing Jokic Plumlee lineups, and he hasn't really all all season. And I think that's a really big thing because you have to maximize Jokic, and I think they're 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 doing that this year quite a bit.
0: Do you think? Because it's I I don't know what to make of the rotation to be honest with you right now because like we, it's been different every single game since Millsap's been out right first it was it was freed but he didn't I don't think he played a ton in that Sacramento game yeah, I don't remember let's right. be honest right and, well, neither can I <laughs> but um and then of course he doesn't play against against Houston all then of course he comes back uh, against the Grizzlies has over thirty minutes Lyles and Plum or Lyles and um Wancho both have seventeen or eighteen I, I get the feeling. I kind of get the feeling he's going to use Lyles in these matchups. Basically, when he he figures, I've got to play Fareed uh, because I like something in the matchup, like maybe against Memphis, you know, he liked uh, because they played Jermichael Green, Chandler Parsons.
2: I think it was the opposite. I think it was in Houston he didn't like the matchup because you think about they spread the court a lot. And I kind of get that from a... a, a, I, I kind of get it. I don't think it's like the worst decision ever, personally. It didn't work out, so it was the wrong decision. But it was a decision that I think... I I understood. Um you don't want to risk going with Farid having to guard PJ Tucker and PJ Tucker getting 43s in the first quarter, right. which by the way happened last year when they played uh against Portland, something I think very similar where Farouk Amino comes out and hits 43s, the game's over, right. you right. know? Like so I so I kind of get the decision making but in the end I think if you redo that one you'd probably you just go with your regular Broken rotation right. and try to impose your will rather than try to re- react.
0: Yeah, they uh, that, that's something I think they've been guilty of um, in the past. Maybe not as much this season. Um, but now, may, and maybe it was just a little bit reactionary by Coach, right? Because he's trying to adjust right now to this Paul Millsap um, injury. And, and he yeah. just figured, you know, let's try something. Try and beat Houston at their game.
2: I would bet tonight, uh, again, the Memphis rotation was the rotation they are going to go with. Fareed starting. Um, and then them looking for a lot of small ball lineups, both with the second right. unit and also with Jokic and try to get a couple minutes here and there with Jokic with a, with a really spread out lineup. And I think, and I like it, I think it's going to get more and more back to what they're doing. And by the way, you look at Nikola Jokic's shot chart, and really you look at the Nuggets' shot chart in general in the Memphis and the Sacramento game, a lot of inside points, a lot of getting to the basket, right. and that was something Denver had struggled with with Millsap on the floor. And I don't think it was because Millsap's not good at that. I just think it was they were learning, figuring each other out and how to space the floor, whereas you put Kenneth Freed in there and Jokic and him just have a great chemistry for keeping the paint open. So um, I, I think that's a real positive thing for this offense.
0: Right, yeah, kind of getting back to like what you were saying, that this might actually, Millsap being out might actually make the offense better at least in the short term right um all right last thing on the Millsap thing um where do you see denver at now in terms of the season and playoff seating is it now suddenly before you know maybe you were thinking they could even be as high as a five seed now is it pretty much we're just fighting to get to that eight seed and hoping to get in
2: you never know what can happen i mean it's within the realm of possibility that the Nuggets could still compete for that five seed and be one of the best of these kind of second tier Western Conference teams, but me personally, I would be putting my money on a seven or eight or nine seed, them being one of the really? the last three. Yeah, because I think the nice thing that the Nuggets have going for them. Well, this is this is, I, I shouldn't phrase it that way, but Utah also injuries their roster, also very flawed. I think everybody right. kind of thought it could be flawed and maybe they won't work out. It appears that way. Clippers' injuries have decimated their season even more so than Denver's. Um, And then Memphis, the same thing. Mike Conley being out, you fall behind like they have already. I think they're like five or six games behind Denver already. You can make it up. It's early enough in the season, but uh, I just think it's such a good head start that now you're just looking at nine teams, New Orleans, Portland, Denver being the last three, I think, of that group. Right. And, and two of those teams are going to make it. So I think it's going to be a fight, and I don't see them passing any of the other teams besides those ones.
0: Right. See, So I see, I think, to me, the nine seed, I think, would something fairly drastic is going to have to happen to for them not to get in the playoffs. And the reason I say that is this, is because right now you're starting to see the separation in the standings. There's seven teams right now in the Western Conference with a winning record, and then everybody else is at least two games under five hundred. But one of those teams being Oklahoma City, you figure they'll yeah. probably get it figured out right and, and, and get in.
2: I mean, that's not a certainty. Like, I'm not ready to say – well, I'm not really – I still – what do you still – let me just ask you that. I'm interrupting the show here, but what do you think the odds are that Oklahoma City makes the playoffs right now?
0: Oh, I'd say 95%. What would
2: you have said before the season? 100%. So they've lowered 5%. <laughs> right. That's kind of my point because I'm with you too. I would say 95%, but – you do look at it and say, well, maybe it's, we're 20 games in. Maybe they never figured right. out.
0: Right. Well, yeah. I mean, like they've got off to that, that slow start. You never know an injury or something. Well, actually if, it, if Oklahoma city had an injury to one of their top three, as long as it wasn't Russell Westbrook, probably if it was mellow, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> might <laughs> open might things might up. Be better yeah, better for them than, than where they're at right now. But no, I think, I think Oklahoma city is going to get figured out. I still think Oklahoma city probably ends up with a home court advantage in the first round. Um, but then, so then you got those next four, four bottom seeds, because the Spurs, Rockets, and um, Warriors are, are the top. And, it, and it's really, it looks like it's going to be Minnesota, Portland, Denver, and then, and then um, New Orleans. Right. After that, I mean, like you said, the, the, the Clippers look like they're, I mean, they're really starting, they're struggling, and, and they're, they're depending on guys like Blake Griffin, Danilo Gallinari, who have classically not been healthy. The Grizzlies, who I think are done without Mike Conley, I mean, I mean, but they
2: also don't have any point guards, right? I mean, Teodosich and and Beverly being out, even right. if Gallinari like, and and I Blake come back on. and are healthy, I mean, they're just counting on uh, similar to this. I think the situation with Denver, where you kind of go the way your point guards go, only with them, they're 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 in a same or worse boat with.
0: Who's Austin Rivers now? Basically, who they're
2: he's going to be there. I don't even. i think They had there, to maybe?
0: I'm going to have to look at their roster actually to see uh, who they pulled up. It's bad. It's bad. We know that much. But, yeah, I mean, getting back to the playoff thing. So, so, really, you're looking at, okay, one of these teams, either the Jazz, the Grizzlies, the Clippers, the Lakers, um, I think that's about probably the only teams you could put in this group. One of those teams is going to have to figure it out um, to be able to knock off one of these other teams in the, in the, in the playoff picture. And I just don't see it happening. I think, I think the Nuggets are good enough, um, even without Millsap, that they're probably still going to sneak in. Now, I think they'll probably be a 7 or 8 seed and Not maybe as high as we were hoping it would be originally.
2: It's unfortunate because I think the top two seeds in this conference are head and shoulders above yeah. everyone else. And if you could somehow get into that six seed, it's a big because you know Houston has Denver's number. I think that's just a tough. Right. I think that's I think I I think that's as tough a matchup as Golden State will be. Um, so <laughs> you would love to see him get a six seed because I just think it'd be a more interesting make for a more inter- interesting series.
0: You think so? I even I even worry about a sixty just because you're probably going to get San Antonio. You figure you figure Kawhi is probably back by then. You'd hope this isn't a season a season long thing for him. And I just don't see the Nuggets being able to get more than one win against the Spurs in a series. Um,
2: I don't know if they get a single win against Houston and Golden State are two teams that not only could they sweep Denver I think in a series, but they can beat them by forty six points yeah, exactly. as we saw earlier yeah, this week.
0: That's true. Yeah, Golden State. Though you never know. Nuggets have to have their number um, fairly often. All right, let's move on. Enough with the, the with the Millsap doom and gloom. Let's get into some other terrible, uh, topics <laughs> which, <laughs> which were this road trip from the past week. Uh, the Nuggets went one and two. I expected them actually to go one and two on the road trip. Though I thought I had it flipped. I thought they would beat the Lakers and then lose the back to back in Sacramento. They do not. They end up losing that game in L.A do you basically just have to throw that out because Malone and Jokic get kicked out in the second quarter and there's nothing you can really glean from the game other than that? Absolutely not. They were down 20 points
2: at that point. The game right. was, you know, Malone tried to get thrown out, I think, on purpose. I think he was he went too far on accident because I think he was just trying to make a show enough for them to throw him out, so not suspend him a game. <laughs> that was a bad game, and it followed the same playbook that the Nuggets have followed, I think, so often in, in especially road games, but really all season. And that was... You go back and look at it the first five, six minutes, they looked okay. Right at the six-minute mark of the second quarter, they fall apart. And right. and in that game, they fell apart far enough that they couldn't get back into it. It was 20 points. In other games, they've fallen apart, and maybe it's only been like seven or eight-point deficit. Right. Um, or they had a lead in the, after the first six minutes. They didn't against the Lakers. And, and, and so I think you have to look at at least that first half and say it followed a similar playbook, and that's probably a trend for this team at the moment on the road.
0: Right. Well, not only also on the road, I think also when playing a team um, of inferior talent, I, that's a bad way to word it. Now I'm going to have, well, not that any Lakers fans yeah. like this, but If this, <laughs> and did, if they are, who cares? Yeah, right now uh, we'll piss off Lakers fans all the time. But but no, I mean, the Nuggets are a better team than the Lakers overall right now. And, and But I think they, they approach, sometimes we see them approach these games um, against these teams who they think are, they think they should be able to walk over. Uh, and then they don't. They end up getting beat pretty bad. You know, we saw it with the Knicks. Um, I thought it was pretty similar with the Hornets game that we saw that as well. Um, and I think it's a sign like, of a young team, right, of a team that's that not really taking this serious and, and, and not being prepared to play on the road, um, which is why they've been so terrible on the road. I do kind of look at it as like, you well, know, how much can you take from the game? Because, like you said, there's a lot to take from that first half, but once they got into that hole, then when like right in succession you have Malone and, and Jokic get kicked out and then Millsap goes out um, with the wrist injury at that point you, you were it's like all right just pack it in because like that there was so i think just defeating for them
2: no doubt about it but like i said there's just been two, you you mentioned the Charlotte game it actually followed a similar playbook if you think back to that game Nuggets right. were in it for a quarter yeah. it was that second unit again the second quarter where things just went all the way um uh, down the drain and 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 they fell apart so um i i just think it's a familiar pay, playbook and that's why if it was if that was an outlier and they lost and they got so far behind a different way then maybe i would say yeah just throw it out but it was consistent with what we've seen
0: is it should we just talk about the elephant in the room when with that second unit being that emmanuel Mudiay just really hurts them when he's on the court i mean do you think i don't know so much i want to get into the houston game in just a second but I don't know. I saw it in both games and, and maybe more so in that Houston game where I thought you just had a terrible string in that second quarter um that pretty much pretty much cost it for for Denver or, or put the game away for them.
2: It was like a 28 to 2 run or something right, like right, it was an exactly, enormous run.
0: Exactly. It, how do they how do they overcome when when he's off like that and they're in you know turning the ball over and not converting shots and just hurt i mean do you go to the point where you just put him on the bench and and don't go back to him
2: well malone has i don't know how many minutes he played tonight but it wasn't many and right. um there's been a couple nights like that where when he's been really off in his first stint he gets benched and into his defense that's hard to do uh, um i get why malone does it and i would probably agree with it but it's hard as a player when you know, you you make a couple of bad plays in a row, and you think, "Oh God, does that mean I'm not getting not back in? Hook, right. Am I on the hook now?" So, um, I and I will say this: I actually am predicting that M- Moutier will have a nice run here over the yeah. next couple of weeks because, as we discussed, and I and I think Plumlee too is going to have a nice run over the next couple of weeks. He had some nice passes tonight. He did. Um. Because they're going with a stretch lineup in that second unit, and um, I just think offensively at least that opens up a lot of space for Moutier. Look, Moutier has some real talents. People think I'm a hater. He has, I think the way he, uh, his production has been very, very, very bad throughout his career, but the skill is there. And the question is, how do you get the skill to, to translate into production, and and I think one of the easiest ways to do that is to get him with enough spacing, and the Nuggets are going to do that. The next thing is going to be for him to kind of improve the decision-making and, and understanding when to, when to press, when to when to attack, and, and when to make the safe play, when to make maybe the more difficult play. Right now I don't think he knows he, he has a good feel for that. Right. Um, but maybe opening up the court will get him in a groove where he will kind of turn a corner, and, and that could be really good for him and for the team.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you put, you put it that way because I, I think it's it's kind of a contrast we're seeing between Moutier now and Murray. Whereas they were both really struggling um, out of the gate, you're kind of seeing with Murray now gain some consistency because I think what it is 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 he's, you know, some people call it the game slowing down for you, right? But it's he's not pressing as much, right? He's taking more of what the defense gives him and making the smart play instead of trying to make the great play every time. Whereas a guy like Moutier – I mean, we still see a lot of these turnovers are just early in the shot clock. You know, oftentimes the first pass that he initiates in the offense. Um, and, it, and it's like almost like he's just like not getting set and not getting ready, and he's just trying to go, you know, without f- playing, without really thinking it through, which sometimes can be good. But for a point guard, um, it's usually good to, you know, think through what, what you're going to do before you just start doing it. And I think on Moutier, he, he's, he's not doing that. He's not slowing it down and that's just causing him to rush through these decisions and that's what's ending up with him getting these turnovers.
2: Yeah, I think with regards to Murray, one thing, again, this is a MILSAP thing, but early on he had to quarterback a brand new offensive playbook and a brand new, I got to get this guy touches, this is what this guy does. You know, now I think it I think part of the joy of the Jokic, quote-unquote, Jokic offense, this like heavy pick and roll DHO offense is It's no matter who's on the court with you, you kind of run the same stuff, and it's just making kind of what I would call basketball, basic basketball reads. You, there's shortcutting and curl cutting and slipping the screen and screen for this guy when this happens, and I think it's just easier, especially for a guy like him. His he's not point guarding as much over in and, and and we're gonna throw out the Houston game and just talk about Sacramento and 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 Memphis. He's not point guarding. He's just playing basketball. Right. And the more you can do that, I think the better he's going to look. Whereas when you had Millsap, you had a little bit more get people in the right spots, run this set, you know, do these things. So I think it's a little easier for him.
0: All right. Well, let's let's get into that, actually that that Sacramento game. Um, what was it? I mean, because Jamal right, he has a big I'm gonna pull up my box score here. He had a pretty big night that night. I mean, 18 points, but he only took 10 shots. What was it about that game that you noticed that that made him so efficient?
2: He was really aggressive and confident in that first quarter. Um, and I don't know why. I, I don't know what it was that gave him the confidence, but when he does, you know, he, I, I always say he's a good pick-and-roll scorer, and in part because he's really, really good at that, like, uh, free-throw line pull-up jumper. And right. when you're good at that, you know the defense can't just give that to you there's some guys you can give that to Moutier is one of them and that's right. part of what makes it difficult for him to you know to be a, an efficient scorer is teams will allow that shot but with murray you know you give him that right off the bat and you just let him have an elbow jumper he's in rhythm his first shot went in it was a nice easy shot you give him another one a nice easy now he's in rhythm and now all the other stuff happens so one of the things in the orlando game the sacramento game and then tonight's game he uh, the defense is going over the pick and rolls on him very very aggressively, and that means he gets to attack downhill with a guy trailing him, and, and that just allows for easier decision making on his part. And I think that's a lot with the paint being more open that that goes a long way for him being able to be aggressive early and set the tone.
0: It's good. It's a good point too that about getting him rolling early because I think one of the things we've seen with with Murray that he struggled with, which is weird because he he you know he meditates four games. He guys he always seems like he's very level headed, but he seems like, more so than a lot of guys, if he doesn't get going early, he gets into his head, and then he just really struggles shooting the basketball.
2: Yep. <laughs> it seems like
0: that, yeah. <coughs> I thought, yeah, so I thought, you know, with with him, like you said, getting him those early early opportunities really helped. Does it also say, those, does that game in general tell you something about maybe the Nuggets' maturity or their mental toughness? Whereas... In the past, you know, you drop the game you think they're going to win against L.A. Then it's back-to-back. You go up to Sacramento. A lot of times, that will be another loss, uh, right? And then you would play a game against Houston, so it would kind of spiral into that that losing streak, right?
2: Losing three in a row would have been really bad for Denver.
0: Right, exactly. But this, they don't do that, right? They come back and they win that game. Would you say you think they're more mentally tough this year? Are we starting to see signs that at least 20 games in?
2: We're going to find out. And I was fixing to find out we're fixing to find out because I would say yes. But I think a lot of that had to do with Paul Millsap and the team's just kind of and their confidence in general. I think you've seen this. I I imagine in the locker room, Barton, Gary Harris, Nicole Yoga, they've they've gone out of their way to kind of talk about how much they think this is a good team. This Nuggets team like they really believe in this roster more, more so than I've ever seen them say these things before. So I think part of it is a confidence that, hey, man, we're we're not the upstart. Overachieving young team. Now we're an actual good team that should have expectations. So I think that's part of it. the The reason I say we'll see is because without MILSAP now that that safety blanket is gone. Right. But what we have seen over the last three games, including the Houston game, is a lot of leadership from Nikola Jokic. and And I can't stress this enough. Jokic has not wanted to be a leader in my opinion over the last two seasons and even coming into this season I kind of gave him a softball question at media day talking about you know what's it like now that everybody's looking up to you or this or that and he was like oh no they're not they look at Paul I'm not I'm just a guy I'm just here to play and, and whatever. And I think he kind of has realized, I don't know, it's early, I think everybody's going to write the Jokic is the leader, has become a leader article, right. too, so I'm going to pump the brakes. Just so you know, that's why my article's not coming out about. it. I'm going to pump the brakes. <laughs> right. What I will say is, for three games, he very much has seemed to me like the leader of this team, and not just, not just a leader as in he's the best player, but going out of his way to be the leader, vocal leader, set the tone leader, all of these things. And if he can continue to do that, I think the Nuggets are going to be okay. But he needs to do it.
0: Right. I think some things I think with Nicola kind of in the vein of what you're talking about there is he almost to a – in fact, to a fault. Like I think in his head the idea of being so selfless, right, and saying, oh, no, 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 I'm not a leader. I'm just one of the guys or I'm I'm just here to play like – you know, it's, it, it's Jameer's team or Paul's the star, right? It, it, almost in his head. That's what, it, that's what he thought is. That's what a good, you know, that's what a good teammate is and everything without, and, and now hopefully he's starting to realize is while that can be true, it's not necessarily as true when you are the guy on the team. And you, if you are going to be a good teammate, that means you need to lead as the guy. And I think now that really there's no, nobody else, there is no Jameer. Yeah. There is Paul is it. Paul is out. Like there's, there's really no one else for them to turn to. It has to be him and I, and i'm hoping i'm hoping you know and maybe this is the silver lining of this Paul Millsap injury is that this is what it takes to get Millsap or not Millsap Jokic to become more of a leader become more vocal become the guy in his own head because that's what the nuggets really need if they want to if they're going to build a team around him for the long term he's got to know that he's got to be the the guy who's leading this team
2: I didn't get to interview him after the game today, and I was very bummed about that because I promised I'd help somebody with a video. That happened right when Yogesh started oh. talking, so I missed it. But one of the things I wanted to, to talk to him and ask him about, and one of the things maybe he's not even the right guy to ask, maybe other people are the right person to ask, is sometimes you need an example of what it means to be a leader. Actually, I think in the right. NBA you almost always do. I don't know if there's too many rookie or young players that come in and just have these natural leadership skills for grown adults, grown men. I wonder. Paul Millsap is a lead by again, as we were talking about, lead by example, but also lead by you have to do your job a hundred percent well because that gives you the authority to tell everybody to do their job. And I th- and what I think, what I suspect, and I don't know this for sure, for for a fact, but what I suspect is, Jokic has observed Millsap, and 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 kind of observed him as like, okay, that's leadership. Right. You know, I don't know Gallinari is a great player. I don't know that he was a leader uh, right. on the team. And you look at the you know Fareed, not really. He's a leader in a different way. He kind of he kind of puts an arm around guys on the bus and and takes the young guys under his wing, kind of guy. Wilson's super quiet. Jameer a leader, but not Jokic can't replicate Jameer. Jameer's right. like a charismatic, loud guy. So I think Jokic didn't. I I wonder if he just didn't know how he can be a leader. Be foreigner you know with, with his personality and personality, right? all these things i just don't know if he 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 i wonder if he thought oh i can't be a leader it's just not me and he saw millsap and said you know what actually i can be that kind of leader who is does everything right then and that's how you do it so again it's three games i'm going to pump the brake on it but this is what i'm i'm observing
0: right right and it's positive, positive signs at least we're, we know we're trending in the right way all right i don't i don't know if there's much to cover on that houston game uh it was bad.
2: First of all, one of my favorite things from listening to the show, and I just got to witness it, is when you uh, when you segue, and your segue begins with a. <sighs> <laughs> it's like, I always know something bad's coming up. Like, <sighs> like, all right, let's get into this.
0: That's right, exactly. I go to the rundown and I look over, and it's like uh, lost to Houston. Did Denver ever have a chance? <laughs>
2: did Denver have a chance? I don't think they did. No, I I, I would agree. I think there's three players that Nikola Jokic struggles against in this league. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, mm-hmm. although he had a really great yeah, game, game against good. him this year. Um, Nene yeah. and Yusef Nurkic. And I thought he played well in this game, but one of the th- he's he struggles with that physicality from mobile bigs like like Nene, but then also Houston just spreads you out, man. And mm-hmm. and and they made everybody look bad. Uh and and Jokic included. Jokic I think his defense has been incredible. I think when you look at great defenders, they're great across the board. If you broke defense into ten categories, they rate it like an eight or higher on every category. I think right. Jokic rates an eight or higher on like almost every category. The problem is he's like a zero on things that Houston likes to exploit when they can really spread you out, right. make you force you onto an island, and then ask you to guard James Harden. Right. That's where he's not very good. And unfortunately, Houston knows exactly how to put them in that situation
0: 40 to 50 times a game. (laughs) And and as a result, you end up giving up giant runs. Yeah, Jokic is not, I mean, he's not going to be a guy. It's it's exactly it. I mean, they find a way to isolate him. Um, and he's not gonna—he's just not gonna be able to defend. I mean, forget James Harden; he can't even really defend one-on-one against like a guy like Ryan Anderson or someone <laughs> uh, at the perimeter. At least. Slandered,
2: slandering <laughs> oh. Jokic. My, you're slandering the number one defensive RPM player <laughs> I mean, in the yeah, entire yeah. NBA. Yes,
0: yeah, the best defender according to. <laughs> no, but for
2: real, I really do think Jokic's defense has been incredible this year, and in this Memphis game that just happened last night absolutely impressed that might have been Jokic's best defensive quarter that fourth quarter I mean he just made so many big level defensive plays I've been really really impressed with him I do think when you get into a playoff series and this is why I think the Spurs actually might be an okay matchup for him you get into a series I think teams are going to really put him in a pickle and just really attack the things he's not good at and it's going to make him look worse than he is but in my that's my my theory my my prediction um but it's just because he's got to get better at at, at moving his feet left to right against right. the James Hardens of the world, which is going to be tough.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, but it, it'll almost be good. I, like, I I agree. I think almost anybody the Nuggets are going to face uh, in the playoffs. It's my biggest concern about this iteration of the Nuggets. Um, when you want to think about them in long terms, of does this team have the, the beginnings of, of a championship contender, which is what you're always working towards? I worry about how they're going to perform in the playoffs when teams focusing on what Jokic does and take it away from him. But while this year, I think they'll probably get beat pretty handily. I think it also be a great growing opportunity for him. And we'll get to see, okay, how good can Nicole Jokic be? Can he now adjust to the adjustment, right? Can he learn when people take away what I like to do best, what else can I do to make them pay? I think it's going to be an interesting thing to see. I, it's hard to do that in one game against the Rockets, obviously. Um, but but it'll be it'll be something to to watch in the playoffs. I, I don't know if that if they got a team like the Rockets. I don't think they I didn't think they had a chance in that game. I don't think they'd have a chance.
2: But it would be interesting to see if Denver tries to make adjustments and 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 see how they handle it. It'd be interesting to see. You know, Jokic is a guy that I think learns through experience and. You know, you give him even if it's just four games. I'd be curious to see if game four looks different than game one for him individually in that regard. So playoffs are always – playoffs are fascinating. It really is, even though it's not it, – it can only be seven games or shorter.
0: It's it's like a whole other season because it's almost a completely different type of game. Right, right. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Um, let's go ahead. Let's hit a break. Uh, and we come back. I want to get into the game last night against the Grizzlies because I thought that was a really – a uh, really interesting one. It's also fresh on our minds, and then it looks like we might have a little bit of time to get into the jazz. So we will go ahead and take a break, and then we'll be right back. <laughs> Alright, everybody, welcome back into the Pickaxe Pundits show on Nothing But Net Radio. I am Zach Mikosh with Denverstiffs.com. I'm here with Adam Mates of Denverstiffs.com. And we are been breaking down a week's worth of basically bad news with Paul Mal- Paul Malsap. Paul Millsap getting hurt. Um, and then and then the Nuggets going one and two on the road trip. So let's let's get into something a little bit more more uh, Cheery to talk about, which was the game against the Grizzlies. The Nuggets, uh, pretty pretty handily win that one. Right there was a, there was a brief period there at the end of the third quarter where it got got close, got down to two points. In fact, um, the Nuggets come back and respond and end up winning at one hundred four ninety two. I think the big thing that everybody everybody noticed from that game or that everybody was going to want to talk about. Um, Nicole Jokic, you know, we've talked a little bit about him stepping up and being a leader. One of the things, though, about being a leader, especially on the court, is when your team has suddenly had a run come up against them and they're down by or they're only up by two points after they've been leading pretty much all, all game for him to come out. And then I think he scored the first six, maybe assisted on the next basket, got an offensive board, then got another bucket. Basically, he, he put the, his foot on their throat and, and closed the game out for the Nuggets. Do you think it was just just Jokic kind of doing within the flow things, or do you think he actually made an asserted effort to be like, okay, I'm going to take over and I'm going to win this game for my team?
2: I think a little bit of both. All right. You know, I thought he was aggressive throughout this game, even in the first quarter. He was he was trying to go at Mark Gasol. I thought where, right. you know, Mark Gasol's a terrific defender. You don't go at him right. unless you're unless you're really feeling like you need to and you need to uh, and you're feeling good about it. And he was. Um, but yeah, that fourth quarter. You know, the Memphis has been really bad all season when Gasol goes to the bench, especially since Mike Conley has gone right. out. They've been really, really bad. And tonight that was the case. Uh, I thought Coach Fizdale tried to substitute Mark in and out in, like, short stints. So he would play, like, six minutes at three, go back in. And Jokic, to start the fourth quarter, got to go up against the backups. And he, he came out, got a rhythm going. Mark checks in. And Jokic was still in, his, in a groove and was still able to really impact the game. So I think offensively he he more or less takes what the defense gives you. Maybe he was a little bit more aggressive than usual. But what really jumped out to me in the fourth quarter was he was dialed in defensively. Yeah. And he made a lot of – that was one of the best defensive quarters I think I've seen him play. And that really set the tone, I thought, for for what they were able to do throughout that quarter.
0: Um. Right, yeah, no, I <laughs> – Kind of funny, we got just interrupted by the housekeeping. Housekeeping! <laughs> the center. But, um, uh, no, I, I, I agree. Like, he was, it was like you said, the, the focus was just there more. It seemed like he, he was just very, very locked in into, into the game. And then, like you said, when, when Gasol comes back in, uh, it really doesn't slow him down at all. In fact, he, he, I think he even maybe picks up his scoring there right at the end. Um, I think he gets 14 points there in that fourth quarter. He also really, I thought he did a good job on Gasol defensively. I asked Coach about this after the game about you know do you kind of just have to be happy with the fact that Gasol has 14 assists, um, and Coach kind of mentioned yeah there's no, there's not too much you can do uh, again. It, which is which which what's weird about that game though is I thought Jokic played really well against Gasol, played really well defensively. Gasol still ends up having 15 points, 14 14 assists. That's a really nice game, but he. He made him a non-factor, I guess, in the sense is that, th- and maybe it was just because the rest of the Grizzlies were so awful that like yeah. it didn't really matter. <laughs> right, <laughs> right.
2: But I think it was a lot of that. I mean, Gasol, I think, was a minus one tonight, and so in a twelve point um, Nuggets win, you know, minus one, he basically played him even. It's just the moments right. he was out. Mark Gasol's a great player, um, but you're right. Jokic looked like, and I and I saw Memphis people tweeting this out. Jokic dominated the matchup. Gasol had a good game. It wasn't that he had a bad game. Jokic looked like the better player of the two, and and he looked like he wasn't afraid of Mark, and that was, I thought, a r- really, really cool to see.
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's funny you said that because that's, that's what I wanted. I, <laughs> I was trying to get Jokic to say it was really cool that, that he had such a big game against Mark Gasol. <laughs> he wouldn't take the bait, though. Um, he also wouldn't. He, I, I I used the phrase. I thought Mark was one of the best European players, and he thought I said the best European. Player.
2: He he really was taken aback by that. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like,
0: "What? He you think he's the best, best European <laughs> player exactly. ever? <laughs> exactly. But no, I thought I. You know, he hasn't. And it's kind of weird. We haven't got too many Jokic versus Gasol games because. There was, there was last year, I think he was, Jokic was out for one of them. Um, the other one was, you know, they played him real early on. They were still doing that Nurkic-Jokic kind of thing. And then he only got one game last season where really it was Jokic versus Gasol, and Gasol outplayed him entirely. So I just thought it was really cool this time around for him to uh, get the best of. You know, I mean... Right now I'd say Marcus All is kind of the standard for, for European centers for for you know if you want to be a all-star center and you're going to play kind of that European style like Marcus is what you have to do
2: there was a really cool quote pregame from Coach Fisdale about that. And and somebody asked, you know, do you see when you watch Jokic play, do you see some Mark Gasol? And he said, oh, absolutely. Those guys are a lot alike. And then he said, but not just Jokic. You look around the league, all of these centers are now, you could see the evolution of them right. coming from Gasol. And I thought that was really cool because it's true. You look at it. Guys are imitating Marcus All in a lot of way, in this all around game. Centers are like more and more all around type players, and I think I don't think it like he was the the only or even the main influencer, but he sort of was one of the first guys to play this style.
0: Right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. You know, you think I think of a guy like Demarcus Cousins, who you start to see a lot playing a lot of that kind of similar style, yeah. As Marcus All only doing it uh, at at an incredible level, at least right now. Um, All right, so. The Nuggets, they hold the Grizzlies to 92 points, and I thought they played very well defensively. You mentioned how, how you, you thought Jokic was great there in the fourth quarter defensively, and I thought he was, you know, really good pretty much throughout the game, um, as was in general the whole team. I can't think of I'm – I'm trying to think of anybody who I thought really I was on defense, wasn't playing that well. I mean, Freed struggled a little bit with Jermichael Green, but um, yeah, I think you got kind of have to take that with Freed. How big is it for them to come out and have this performance and play as good as they have defensively, knowing that a guy like Millsap, who's usually your anchor, isn't there? How much confidence can they they gain from being able to hold the Grizzlies to ninety two points and, and kind of dominate them on that end?
2: I don't think they should take too much from <laughs> it, and the, and the reason because let's—I'm going to have to pull up the box score here to read off some of the names that were playing. It wasn't great. It wasn't. <laughs> um, you know, they're they are a—they're a team that's not good. But I will say. Uh, I think what you the way you look at it is more: had they given up 110 points to this Memphis team, right. then you got to be concerned. The fact that they held them to 92, that's what they should have held them to. Right. So I, I think you're, I think that was par for the course. But that's good. This team is going to have to be better defense. They can't be the 29th best defense again like right. they were last year. Right. While, while Millsap is out, they're going to have to find a way to be at worst the 23rd 22nd best defense and right. and that might be good enough to keep him in the playoff hunt.
0: Yeah, you know and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I, we I've been hearing this a lot on on the different talk shows and, and in the different publications out there about okay, well, now that Millsaps out, I guess we just have to go back to the Nuggets are going to have to win games, you know, 129-117 or something like that. And I just look at him like why do we have to like? Why do we have to go back to that? Like, it was, it, it didn't work last season. It, it, we knew, and everybody knew it was an issue. It worked. It well, I mean, it worked to get you the ninth it, seed in the Western Conference. Yeah,
2: but no, it worked to get them probably a sixth seed in the Western That's Conference. True. It's just they started from so far behind, and now you're starting from be- ahead. So, say the Nuggets just play five hundred ball, which I. I since after december 15th i don't remember what the nuggets record was but i'm pretty sure it was it's like three or three or four again. of 500 so you look if they can do that then yeah they're going to make the playoffs if they can do even better than that they're for sure in the playoffs and it actually might take a better effort this year than it did last year so right. um but i i do think the nuggets will settle into a t- fourth or fifth best offense 22nd 23rd best defense over this next three months or however long Mill steps out
0: that's not a yeah i mean i that's it's not a bad balance, right? I mean, a little bit less on offense, a little bit more on defense than they were last year. I don't know. I, I it just bugs me that, that the idea that oh well, it, it was all in enti- the, like because the, the Nuggets have been far and away better on defense this year than they were last year, and it just bugs me the idea that like well, now that Millsap's gone, I guess that it all just goes out the door. You know, he he was a big piece <laughs> of the defense. <laughs> I agree. I agree. He was a big piece. I'm just saying. We we perhaps they should still strive towards playing good defense instead of just saying okay well i guess we're going to go back and just try and outscore everyone
2: i do think the scheme matters i think that makes a difference and i think it's better yeah. uh, and you know it's funny because the houston game they tried to change the scheme it's and right. again I, I and malone talked about this he i think malone one of the things he's probably needs to realize about Jokic is you got to challenge him you know right. you can't be afraid of a guy uh, oh he's weak at this so we're going to hide him challenge him and then you know, not just Jokic, but uh, Jamal Murray, I think, is an improved defender. Gary Harris, I mm-hmm. think, is an improved defender. So yeah, um, maybe those are the only two guys really you could point to, but uh, it helps. It makes a difference.
0: Yeah, well, you know, another guy I'd point to, I think, maybe just settling in more, Mason Plumlee seems to have, uh, you know – for a guy as athletic as he is, you would think he'd be, and as big as he is, as strong as he is, you think he'd be a, a, just a defensive stalwart. He's not, but I thought I think this this year we've seen him at least provide some of that rim protection. They were hoping he could give them um, when they got that trade. I think everybody knew, you know, obviously he wasn't like a guy like Yusuf Nurkic and what they were giving up uh, in terms of defense, but I think they, they saw, basically this, with that kind of size and athleticism, you should at least be able to Give us a little bit of rim protection. I think they're seeing that a bit out of him um, this year on defense as well. But he doesn't play enough minutes to really, I think, make have a huge impact um, like a Millsap. All right, last thing on this this Grizzlies game. I want to. So I was kind of debating before the game started. Because what we've seen, I think, so far this season is is the weekend home games. Um, the crowd has been yeah. better, right. But so I thought I was like, well, this is the game. It's it's a Friday night, but it's the day after Thanksgiving. You know, people are kind of be lazy about. It. They had all that turkey. Like I expected it to be a pretty dead crowd, I and mean, it, it turned out to be pretty good. And not only does it turn out to be a fairly good crowd, it was a it was a an engaged crowd, right? They were they were they cheered when they were supposed to cheer. They they were a Nuggets crowd. Nuggets are now eight and two at home. Yeah, is, is that's the home big. court advantage back in Denver?
2: No. No. Oh but man. it's on the way. I right. think it's moving in the right direction. This is a huge step from last year. I don't think it's comparable to last year. Right. But I don't think it's back. I think um one of the cool things about this season, there's new jerseys. Yeah. And that means you get to look in the crowd and see if there's new jerseys or old jerseys. And there's a lot of new jerseys. There's a lot. I di- I didn't expect right. to see this many new that means this many people bought and not hopped on the bandwagon, but are kind of interested in this season, not just, right. oh, let's dust off the old one from the drawer, dresser drawer. Um, there's a lot, and I think uh, I think it's growing. But, you know, tonight's crowd I thought was really good in the fourth, but maybe yeah. that coincided with the Nuggets' run. Right. Uh, but I thought they were actually even kind of dead. It was full, though. You can't complain. But I thought they were kind of a mediocre – maybe – I see, I saw it different. Maybe a little too much trip to fan uh, last night. But uh, But the fourth quarter they did, they got into it. When things got tight, I thought that they got into it.
0: That's interesting, yeah, because I had a totally different viewpoint. I thought overall, for the most of the the game, they were good. I thought they were great in the fourth quarter. They of course did the uh, the Tom Brady jumbotron. Which wow, I gosh. <laughs> oh gosh, oh my least
2: favorite thing at Pepsi Center.
0: <laughs> is it because that's when they boo the loudest? Yes, that is a hundred percent why.
2: That's a hundred percent why. We had here here So for people that don't know, on the jumbotron, when the other team is shooting free throws, they put a picture of Tom Brady up on the jumbotron so that everyone will boo really, really loudly. And it just pisses me off that we have to make allusions to the Broncos in the NFL in order to get fans to react. It makes me so mad.
0: Even even when the Broncos are having a terrible season, it's still.
2: It'd be interesting to see if they put a picture of Nurkic up on the board, if what, How, if people oh, would respond. I would hope that they point. would boo. I would boo. I would, I would, I would end up getting my uh, credential revoked <laughs> for booing, for booing throwing something onto the court. <laughs> oh, man.
0: That's uh that that's interesting. You, you I think they would get into more trouble that way, right? Like Oh, no yeah. doubt about it cuz he's an NBA player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. right. It's it's they the can't do that. NFL. No, yeah, they probably can't do. That. <laughs> it, you know what's funny though is is they boo the loudest when Tom Brady uh is up there on the when the opposing team is shooting free throws. When do they cheer the loudest? When an opposing player misses his second free throw in a row or right. <laughs> <gets> Chick-fil-A. <laughs> the
2: worst part was so tonight or against Memphis. Miss If you miss two free throws in the fourth quarter as a, as a sponsorship, Chick-fil-A says they'll give everybody free Chick-fil-A for the game if you have a ticket. Well, they missed two free throws, so you get it, but Memphis got the offensive rebound, and everybody's, <laughs> cheering. And everybody's cheering real loud.
0: It's like, oh, man. <laughs> it's... God, look, it's where we're at. We have to take what we can get. You know, they, they <laughs> might not want to cheer for the Nuggets, but they're here, and they're going to cheer for Chicken, which could be Chicken Nuggets. I mean, uh, they're, they're, hey, uh, like, that's <laughs> some good marketing. There you go. There you go. Boo. All right, so we got just a few minutes left, and I was going to preview the Jazz, but you said New Jerseys, and I realized, hey, that's something that happened this week. There we go. We got we got the leaked fourth jersey. We think. We think, we think, yeah. We're fairly confident, but um, Conrad Burry, uh, I can't, and I feel bad. I'm sorry, Conrad, you're not listening, but I I can't pump your site up. I would if I Sportslogos.net. Sportslogos.net. There you go. Good thing you have a guest here. Exactly. I will will concede that for sure. Um, Thoughts on what you've seen of this fourth jersey?
2: It's very, very simple. Like, yes. this is the most simple. Minimalist. It's a minimalist. And Now, he did say that he wasn't confident that the side panel, which was nothing. There was no right. side panel that wasn't. And I was actually talking to Eric Weedham over at Dean, like, Dean Line Co. Um, the other day. And one of the things he said is that when you watch a game, you primarily see the side panel. Right. Because you're always looking at these guys from the side angle, it's right, on TV. It. And I was like, man, I never thought about that. But, yeah, you're right. So it's kind of interesting that these, these ones really don't have anything. I think... What's neat about it, from a minimalist standpoint, it's just a logo. It's like right. no, it's almost literally nothing else except for a logo, a logo and it's the ever. pickaxes logo, um, which. I find pretty interesting. Right. Maybe that's uh, you know, you look at Brooklyn when they got – when they moved to Brooklyn, they went with like a minimalist right. uniform right. and have kind of built off of it. It made me wonder if this was a sign of things to come for Denver. that They're going to go with that pickaxe with a mountain in the middle and build off of that and maybe spiral off of it, but that's kind of be like the core. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah,
0: no, I, I agree. I think, I think they're going to the same way. As, as for the side panels, um, so essentially what they've done with this jersey is it's the white gold jersey except for they've taken off the sleeves because nobody's doing sleeves. Uh, and then they switched it to a, to a navy. <laughs> they switched it to a navy scheme. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if those side panels are similar to what we've seen on that yellow jersey, uh, where you get like some sort of three color blocks. Because that would, the white gold jersey had those old right. color blocks on the side as well, um, or at least down the shorts they did.
2: Yeah, on the shorts. I don't think on the top. Right, the white gold it. jersey were so great. If they made a white gold jersey without sleeves, like if they just put a, a nice trim on, I thought it would have been like the perfect alternate. It
0: might. I think it might. You know, that might be somewhere they go to uh in the future if they go with this pickaxe design. Maybe that comes back as as maybe their home. Except know, for that's
2: not their blue anymore. anymore. Like that blue. How many shades of blue can you have? Because <laughs> they have like the navy. They have the powder, and then that was like a super light had, like, the ice yeah, ice yeah, like, blue. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i just going to say this because we got to go, but uh, I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest with you. Oh, I mean, really? I, uh, I'm not a fan of it. It does not get the, the Mick Ash approval. Mick Ash. Mick Ash. Now you're a telemarketer. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just not. Uh, I've just been disappointed across the board with the Nuggets jerseys because I wanted it to be super cool. I wanted it to be great. And, and I look at this blue jersey, and I'm like, ah, it's... They took the pickaxes and they put it. They basically slapped it on their navy jersey they have now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and away we go. It is what it is. Uh, I'm sure it'll sell, and and that's really what what it's all about when it comes to the jerseys, right? So money, money. All right, Adam. Uh, appreciate you being on, man.
2: I appreciate you having me on.
0: Hey, anytime. This is—I uh, think this is the second time you've been on the Pickaxe since you relinquished control.
2: This is the first time I've been on the Pickaxe Pundits. The Pickaxe. Uh, I don't—I don't, don't know what that is. I know what the Pickaxe Podcast is, but. Yeah, the yeah, pick- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. All right, everybody,
0: check us out uh, at Denver Stiffs on Twitter at the Denver Stiffs on Instagram. Make sure to give us a follow and a like on Facebook. Check out Nothing But Net Radio at Indie Radio on Twitter, and we will talk to you next week. I'm be
1: Get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.